that music playing behind me, you know, the whole time when I'm preaching? Can we get that? Just the, you know, boom, boom, you know, the roll. That'd be great. Just give me a little assistance here. Um, man, that's going to be fun. I love, I love a good movie, that's for sure. Um, the, I, when I was watching that, I was thinking, you know, there, there's so much, the music, I mean, obviously plays a lot into the movie, but also just the incredible imagery. And we are going to stand to read, because we've been standing to read the 23rd Psalm every, every Sunday. And when you stand, go ahead, stand. What I want you to think about as we read the 23rd Psalm is the imagery in the 23rd Psalm. If you want to read along, that's cool. If you want to close your eyes to imagine what's happening in this, in, in this psalm that David got for us, go ahead and do that. So here we go, 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the path uh, for his name's sake, sorry. <laughs> Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The reading of the word, Psalm 23. You can be seated. Did anybody that bring you back to, you know, you're, you're growing up in church somewhere, a couple of you? As you read that psalm, as, as, as I discussed, there's a lot of imagery. And as you, you read those first few, few verses, what David kind of paints is this picture of tranquility, right? It, it, it's... He leads me beside quiet water. There's these green pastures. And just imagine, you're, you're in, in this beautiful, lush field. There's this beautiful, you know, river flowing down, and you have the, all the, the sounds that go with it. Um, and the Lord is there leading you and guiding you, the good shepherd. And this imagery just kind of evokes good feeling. It makes you want to kind of like, you know, build a house and, you know, find a, find a nice plot of land and stay there for the rest of your life, right? I mean, that, that's what I want. That's what we all want. We want the green fields and the quiet water. I, when I think of this um, and read this, it brings, for me, a place in Australia. We lived there 10 years in Sydney. About an hour and a half south of um, Sydney, is this incredible valley called the Kangaroo Valley. It's green, lush hills, beautiful, beautiful hills. And, and they come down, you, you come down right into the ocean. And it's in this area called Kayama. And in Kayama, there's the, there's, it's just a quaint little town with beautiful beaches and these rock areas, just you know, rugged kind of rock areas. And the, the waves are crashing. And there's one of, behind the one in Hawaii, one of the largest blowholes in, in the South Pacific um, there. So the water comes in and crashes, and the, the, the blowhole spits it out, and it shoots up in the air. And it's just this kind of majestic, beautiful place where I want a house and I want to retire. Um, so that's, you know, when I'm 80, that's where I'll be. I'll be in Kayama. If you want to come and visit, please come. 
Um, uh, that, to me, is like, okay, I want to live there forever. You know, I want to plant my roots right there. Um, and it, it's, it's a place where life is good. You know, you have enough money, you know, to pay the bills and, you know, take care of the things you need to take care of. Maybe go on a, a holiday, you know, and enjoy yourself. Relationships are good. You know, you, you, you're, you know, in right relationship with God and with others. Um, you know, it's just one of those places where you feel peace. And you're, you're in a good spot. We've all been there at times where we, you know, in a sense, it, it's, it, it's the imagery of this is the, 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 the good season of life. You know, this is a, it, it, things aren't, you don't feel angst. There's not a lot of trouble. There's not a lot of pressures at that time. And th- those times when you go through there, you just want to, obviously, you want to embrace it and enjoy it. Don't worry about tomorrow. But you also want to just kind of sit in it and live in it and stay there for the rest of your life, if we only could, right? Um, but we know that in life there's, there's trouble. There's difficulty. There's, there's, you know, relational struggles and different things that come up. And that's where Pastor Andy picked up, which is verse 4 last week, um, where the, the Scripture makes a pretty large shift in the, the image it's painting. Um, and that leads into verse 5. But I'm going to start in verse 4 just to, to kind of prepare the way for us. It, verse 4 says, Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or when, one scripture says the darkest valley, even though we're walking through the, the darkest valley, and when I think of the darkest valley, that, to me, evokes feelings of a little bit of angst. You know, um, it, it, it makes you think of struggle, maybe of loss. You know, where, where and, and darkest valley isn't bad. That's not, it's not a bad place necessarily. We all go through it. You know, it, if you have experienced great loss, then sadness and, you know, and that, that heavy spirit is a natural reaction. But it's still dark. It's still difficult. It's still a, a, a place where, you know, it's not green pastures and the quiet river flowing down. And that's what this, this scripture is saying. It's saying, okay, hey, yes, we love this. We love verse 1 through 3. But we all enter into seasons where verse five, 4 and 5 you know, we can identify with that. That we all struggle at times. That, that the life brings its challenges. And in what lurks most in dark places? Hopelessness and fear, right? The fear of the dark. The fear of the unknown. The fear of, you know, will I ever get out of this season of my life? We've all been there. We've all felt it. And it's terrible. You know, it can be crippling. It can be paralyzing. The dark valleys, though, touch us all. And I've shared this one, and I'm just going to touch on it now. Um, But one of our darkest valleys was in Australia. Seven years ago when Amy um, was diagnosed with cancer, and we had to go through, you know, the, the things you have to go through when somebody's diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, questioning, God, you know, is she going to live? 
is this going to, you know, what's, what is the end of this? You know, not completely seeing what the other side looks like. Um, and the fear wants to invade your soul when you go through those dark valleys, you know, or the, the, the shadow, of the, the valley of the shadow of death. Fear, the unknown, anxiety wants to come in and take away your peace and, and the presence of the Lord. And so when we go through these dark valleys, we have to realize that we are, we are not alone, number one, and we, we, these are things that we all deal with. And what I love in, in these psalms, in this psalm, is that David is trying to give us a picture of life. He's taking us on a journey. He's trying to give us a picture that you're going to have these times that are, are, are a little bit more carefree, and you're going to have these times that are struggled and difficult times where, you know, it, it's not easy to see your way. And you might be unsure of what's going to happen. In verse 4B, 4A, the beginning of that verse says that you're going through this the darkest place. But luckily, he doesn't leave us there. He goes on and he talks about key principles or key things that he sets up for us so that we are not alone and we can, we can walk through these things in a way that's beneficial and helpful and that we can get through in the end. And so we, that's where we pick up. I want to start with 4B, if you put that verse back up. So it says, that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the thing, and, and Jen on the stage said this, that the Lord, he never leaves us or forsakes us. No matter what's happening, he is there. He says he walks with us through the darkest valley that he leads us and he guides us, he protects us. The rod was a, a thing of protection and a thing of guidance. That he's there with us through the darkest valley. 1 John 4.18 says this, Perfect love dries out all fear. Perfect love dries out all fear. The image of the good shepherd who would give his life for his sheep, who, who day in and day out walks alongside and guides the sheep to take, care of, to take care of them, to meet their needs, to guide them. That's the image of perfect love. And in, in the darkness, that love can drive out all fear, can take away the fear of the unknown, the paralyzing fear that we can experience in our, in our difficult times. I want you to just for a second, imagine your life without fear. Fear of not having enough. Fear of not having enough money. Fear of not, um, fear of the unknown. Fear of the future. I know this is something in our relationship that sometimes we struggle with, Amy and I. We, we talk about this and we, you know, it, it's like, yes, right now we have enough. Right now, everything's okay, but what about the future? Anybody struggle with what the future looks like? You know, especially when, you know, the economists are saying, 
you know, this is happening and what's going on and, you know, the housing market's going to, you know, do this or that. Of course, the, all these things bombard, bombard us to try to steal away the peace that the Lord gives. Right in the midst of our darkness, that is when the enemy will come to attack us. That is when the enemy will come to steal, kill, and destroy, the scripture says. To take away the peace that is our birthright. To take away, you know, the, the, the love that God gives us, to steal that from us, um, that has already been paid for and, and given in abundance. So in Psalm 23, David's taking us on a journey. And I think this is a journey that many of us can identify with. It's, it's one where we see good times and we see difficult times. And, but what I love about this is this journey, he shows us a way out. He shows us a way through, not just a way out. He shows us how to walk through both the, 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 the good times and the difficult times. If we only had verse 1, 3, and 6, he took out verse 4 and 5, we would only know how to be with God in the beautiful times of life. But we know that that is not reality. And that's why David addresses this. He puts verse 4 and 5 in there so that we can understand that, hey, this affects everyone. There is no one exempt from difficult times. There's no one exempt from sadness. There's no one exempt from loss. There's no one exempt from relational conflict. There's no one exempt from that. We, it, it touches the core of all of us. And, and so how do we proceed? How do we walk through that? Let me ask you this. In a relationship, a close relationship, when do you grow the most? Go ahead. Why not? When do you grow the most? Anybody? Through, boom, first one, love it. I think, Hank, were you raising your hand back there? Through problems, excellent, thank you. That's it, through conflict. This is when we grow the most. Not when things are rosy, not when things are great. You kind of cruise when things are in the green pastures and just kind of relax, you know, and enjoy. Those are beautiful times. But where you see the most growth personally, relationally, is through the difficult times is what you do, how you act, how you relate to God in the darkest moments. That is when we see growth. That is when we, we understand God in a new way. That's when we find, you know, what's really inside of us. And so these dark valleys, we can embrace. We can embrace knowing that God is with us. He will never forsake us. We don't have to, you know, nobody enjoys Let's just be honest. You're not going to enjoy the darkest valley. But you can embrace it. You can say, yes, Lord, your will be done. And I am going to hold on to you. I'm going to trust you. I am going to be secure in your love. And I'm going to find peace in the turmoil. That is what I want you to hear today as we move on. As we begin to look at verse 5, which I'm supposed to be talking about today. Um, that you can trust him and find peace in his love for you. I'm going to repeat that. 
you can trust him no matter what's going on, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done. You can trust him. And in him, you can find peace. Because he is trustworthy, and he offers peace that surpasses circumstance and understanding. All right, verse 5. Going on from the valley of the shadow of death. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup, it overflows. So you can, again, I just want to kind of hold on to the image here. You're in the valley of the shadow of death. You're in a dark, dark, one of the darkest places. And the, the, the scripture says, or David says, in the, that, that time, what does the Lord do? He prepares a table for you. Yes, you have enemies surrounding you. Because in the valleys, when the shepherd was leading the sheep, he was always on the lookout for enemies. He's always on the lookout for the things that will attack the sheep. There are enemies around us. You know, not, not the natural stuff. It's, it's more, you know, the, the things that affect our spirit, the things that a, a, a attack and try to steal and kill and, and take away our very core of who we are, the, our relationship with God, the peace that we have, the, the love that we have for others. But God, in the midst of this, he prepares a table. He prepares a meal, let's say. And we're going we're gonna to use this in, in, in dip, with different ideas. But let's just say for now, he prepares a meal for you in the midst of this dark place where you're protected from your enemy. Now, let me ask you this. Who enjoys a really nice prepared meal? Yeah. We love it, right? Right? I mean... That is great. When we were, we were pastoring in, in Sydney, about half our church, or a little more, was Filipino. The Filipinos, do I have, do I have any, any Filipinos represented today? I know we, we have had. Okay, not today. Um, Filipinos, the Filipinos, they love their food. Okay? They, they love cooking. They love eating. They love gathering around food. If you're going to hang out with a Filipino, you're going to eat every time. That is just how it is. And so we would often be invited over, or now when we go back, we stay with somebody. And every time, there, it'll just be Amy and I or the kids. It'll be enough food for about 15 or 20 people to eat. I mean, it's always in abundance. It's always elaborate. There's multiple courses. There's always dessert. You are eating from when you get there till when you leave. One time we were staying with um, a couple um, when we went back, and um, we've eaten and eaten and eaten and eaten. They've prepared food for us. We wake up one morning, and they're cooking, right? And it's breakfast. All I want is, like, an egg and a piece of toast. They've got waffles. They've got meat. They've, I mean, they just they had this huge spread on, the, on the, their their. Um, counter. I'm like, oh, I'm like stuffed. I've gained five pounds. And here, here, but it's like, 
you just feel welcome. You feel loved. You feel cared for, you know? It's like, man, thank you. Take a moment. Think of a time when somebody has gone way out of their way for you and prepared a meal. You know, maybe it was an intimate moment, or maybe it was a big family gathering, you know, where, where you, know, a, 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 you know, a Christmas feast or a Thanksgiving feast. But what, what was the lead-up to that? Hours and hours of preparation, right? There was love put in that, that, that meal, right? There, there, was, there was time and energy and thoughtfulness and a lot of love. To, to create a meal like that. God prepared a table for us. It's not just a, a, a flippant thing. There was preparation. There was time. There was energy. There was thoughtfulness. He thinks about you. He prepares a table in the midst of your enemies. As you walk through your darkest times, God is leading you, and he's guiding you, he's protecting you, and he prepares for you a meal. Metaphorically. He's thinking about you. He's preparing the way. He's leading you and guiding you. The shepherds during that time when they had to leave the open pastures, you know, the the place of mostly safety and abundance, during the summer times, they had to leave those pastures and go up into the hills or through the valleys to get to the hills. And they would go in advance and prepare the way. Why? Because there's not much food. There's just some green coming out because the hills would catch the moisture um, coming off the Mediterranean and the, the, the evening dew. And just these shoots of grass would, would go up between the rocks, rocky hills. And the, he would lead them and guide them through these hills as they just picked a little food here in that rock, picked a little food in that rock. But there was some of the green that was poisonous. So the shepherd would go in advance and remove all the poisonous stuff on the hill and down the way so that the, the, the sheep wouldn't get sick. He would take a bunch of oil and put it all over the sheep's head and face and nose so that the, the flies wouldn't attack and, and little disgusting lay eggs, and then eventually the sheep die. Um, the, the, yeah, I'm sorry, I went there. I know, I know, I went there. But he, he would anoint them with oil, essentially, and prepare them for this, you know, treacherous season, this month or two, where it's difficult. It's not easy to find food, and there's danger out there. He would go and he would put oil on these, the, the snake holes, the same oil that he puts on the face so that the snake wouldn't bite the, the sheep. I don't know why that worked. It just worked. Um, but he would, he would literally prepare a table, the landscape, the, the path, the way for the sheep to go through unharmed and be able to get what they need during that season. That's what the Lord does for us. He prepares a table. He prepares the way As we go through those darkest times, he goes before us. He removes those things that will will kill us, you know, and he removes the things that will harm us. He prepares a table. 
The psalm started with a proclamation that God is the good shepherd and that we are sheep. Now, I don't know about you, don't love being called a sheep. You know, they're a little dirty. They're not that smart. They wander off easily. Um, you know, they can't protect themselves. We can go on and on and on. Sheep are not like at the top. You know, a lion? Yeah, cool. You know, he's the shepherd and we're the lions. We're his warriors. No, we're his sheep. We, we wander around a little bit aimlessly and we rely fully on him. The, the sheep without the shepherd would be lost and they would die. They would come upon something that would harm them or that would kill them or would poison them. The sheep need the shepherd. And the shepherd devotes themselves during that time. They devoted themselves to the protection and care of the sheep. They would regularly check the sheep for little cuts and bruises and put oil on it to take care of it so that it wouldn't grow into something that, you know, infect, infects them or goes into their blood. Regularly, you know, bringing them together to eat and to, the sheep were completely reliant on the, on the shepherd to lead them and to guide them. Verse 5 says, and picture this, that you're coming through this valley. It's dark. You can't see. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm surrounded by a bunch of enemies. So you've just gone from bad to worse. Right? But what it says then is, in the midst of that, you can have peace. In the midst of darkness and enemies, in the midst of trouble, there is peace because God has prepared the table for you. He's prepared the way. He's taken care of the things that will ensnare you. He speaks peace in the midst of turmoil. And it says that he brings healing to you at the table with the oil. Now, is that physical sometimes? But often, those are the things that are deep down in our soul. Those are the things that we don't like to talk about. Maybe the things that we've done, maybe things that we're ashamed of. You know, may, maybe it's things that we continue to struggle with and can't get free of. Maybe it's just bitterness or anger. It could be, you know, frustration or, you know, disillusionment because you can't consistently you know, pay the bills right now. I mean, it, it could be a million things. But what he says is, at this table, there's peace. At this table, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring healing if you will allow me. Come and sit. I've prepared the way. I want to meet with you. I want to eat with you. I want to dine with you. He brings healing and protection. We really battle two main enemies, if you think about it. The enemies without and the enemies within. Right? We battle two main enemies. The, the oil protected them from the insects and the snakes, the things outside 
that would attack them. And there's, there's a lot of things that try to steal our joy, that try to steal what the Lord has done from us in life, the stresses of life, the challenges that we face, natural things that we all run into, but also the things within. He brings healing to those as well. The things that we battle with inside of us. The things, you know, our greatest enemy often is ourselves. Is that we often either can't or won't or don't know how to deal with the, the inner tur- turmoil, our inner thoughts, the things that, that um, we, we don't want to do but we do, as Paul would say. But in the midst of that table, as we reach out to the Lord, as we understand his love and care and guidance for us, that's where there's healing. That's where we find that peace. In the gospel, there are two well-known passages. In the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are two well-known passages um, that talk about a table being set and prepared. Um, The first is as Jesus is preparing and walking into Jerusalem, knowing that he was going to the cross. The second is just a couple weeks after that, at the Sea of Galilee. And this is where Peter and the disciples were, went back to fishing, and Jesus arrived. The first is the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, Jesus is, and the disciples are, are going into Jerusalem for, the, for a, a feast time called Passover. And they're walking in, and that night is Passover. So Jesus says to a couple of his disciples, go, go down there. You're going to find this, this man who's doing this. Follow them. They'll take you to a room and, and kind of instruct him or ask him if we can use that room to eat and, you know, and to, to fellowship. And that happened. They, they, and, and so they went down there. Basically, Jesus had reserved a room. And, and they got it all set up, and they, they go in there. And, and this is Jesus' final moment. Now, the disciples didn't know that, but Jesus did. One of his final moments, it's the last meal he was going to share with these guys before he goes to the cross. And they're, they're, they're all there, just imagine it, around the table. You know, I, I like to imagine a round table. All the images do a, 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 a flat table because I think it doesn't, you don't want people's back towards you, you know? So, but I imagine a nice round table. <laughs> um, and they're all there eating, enjoying it. Jesus has prepared this moment because he has something to share with them that's significant. But also, he wants them to know that he loves them. That, that this is our final moment. I want to eat with you. I want to dine with you. I want to share my heart with you. I want you to know that I love you, even when everything seems darkest, which is coming. Right? And so they, they're, they're at this table. They're, they're hanging out. They're breaking bread. They're drinking. And, of course, Judas was there, the one that would betray him. And at the end of the meal, um, Judas heads out, and Jesus says, do what you need to do. Do it quickly. And he's going out to betray Jesus and set up the, the, the events that, that lead to his death and resurrection. 
And at the, at the end of this meal, that's when Jesus unrobes and um, go, goes down and he washes the disciples' feet. And he says, I, essentially, I did not come here to serve, be served, but to serve. I, I came here to give my life for you and for humanity. And he's there, he's washing their feet. And he says, as I have done to you, you do likewise. Beautiful moment. Now, before this beautiful moment happened, at the end of dinner, the <laughs> I love this, the Bible's just real, right? Um, in Luke 22, 4, it says this. He says, a dispute... As they're eating dinner, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. I love that. So Peter, James, and John, the ones closest to Jesus, are like, hey, I'm the greatest. They're like, no, 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 no. Jesus loves me most. And, you know, you can just imagine the scene. And Jesus is like, oh, guys, you, you just don't get it. And in 31, he says, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned your back, strengthen your brother. Jesus is saying, you're going to deny me. And when you've come back, what I want you to do is to strengthen those around you. It's to love on those around you. To shepherd, to care for those around you. Peter says, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and death. Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. We know that Peter does do that. He denies him three times. And Jesus dies. He resurrects. He appears to the disciples a couple times. But even though Peter had seen Jesus resurrected, he still felt guilt and shame, and he felt unworthiness to be able to, to serve God, to, 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 to really live a life for Jesus. He just felt so down because he said he would die, and he denied him. And so Jesus comes to restore Peter at the Sea of Galilee because Peter, said, Peter decided to go back to fish. And we have a moment where the, the disciples are fishing, Jesus walks up on, on the shore. Nobody knows it's Jesus. And he, as he did when he called them the first time, he says, throw your net to the other side because they hadn't caught anything. And the, the fish jump in and they've got a full net. And James says to Peter, it's Jesus. And Peter immediately rips off his robes, dives into the water and runs, swims to Jesus because they were only about a hundred yards off. And the disciples come in with the fish they come up on shore, and what do they find? They find a meal that's already prepared for them, sitting on the beach. There are, there's already fish there and bread, and Jesus says, come, bring, more, bring some more fish, and let's eat together. Let's dine together. And in that moment, Jesus pulls Peter aside and asks, and, and, and that's the famous moment where he asks him three times, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And he says, then take care of my sheep. Love, love my sheep. 
feed my sheep. Give your life for my sheep. That's a call that he's given us, is that we would take care of one another. So the keys to walking through the valley of the shadow of death, your darkest moments, and to live in the green pastures, is that no matter what's happening, we would understand that God is good, that he's faithful, that he loves us, that he leads us, he guides us, and he prepares a way. And then secondly, is that we would, no matter what's happening in our life, not become so inward focused that we can't love one another, that we can't give ourselves to one another, that we, we allow God at that table to restore us, to take out the things that keep us from walking in right relationship with one another, that keep us from giving ourselves to one another. At that table, Jesus brings peace and he brings healing. He does that so that we can take care of his sheep, that we can walk with one another in brotherly love, that we can take care of those who are, are hurting, that we can, we can go from here and help those who are in need. That's why he does that. We can trust him. We, can, we know that he's with us. And, and our response to what Jesus has done is to walk with him. Jesus has prepared a table for each of us. He knows us. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows what we struggle with, what we're going through. He knows when you're in your darkest place and you know, he's with you in the green pasture. But the image I want, to, want you to walk away with today is that of Jesus going before you and preparing the way, taking out the things that are going to ensnare you because he loves you, because he wants you to succeed, because he's got great plans for you, because he never leaves us or forsakes us. And then the second is just that oil of healing and of protection. The oil that brings, you know, that, that brings light into those dark places of our soul and helps us, you know, put away the bitterness, to overcome shame, to leave it behind us, to no longer hate or fear, to embrace God's love and peace. Would you stand? When we are filled with his love, shame and fear have no place. When we embrace that, we recognize that he's prepared a table. When we, are, when we embrace what he has done for us, we are filled with the love of God. Shame and fear, they have no place. They will go because light dispels darkness. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? And allow God to reveal his love to you. You might be in green pastures right now. You might be in your darkest valley or somewhere in between. All of us are somewhere there. Recognize that God is walking with you. 
but he is leading and guiding. And in the difficult times, he is preparing the way. That you can trust him because he loves you. And that just like Peter, he will come into those dark moments when you think you have nothing to offer, when you feel insignificant, or you have that guilt and shame as he did. He will come in that moment and restore you. Bring his goodness and his light into your spirit. So just invite him in. Lord, we invite you into the deep of our souls. Lord, we all, this touches all of us. Lord, there's, there's always areas in our life that you want to come into and bring healing and life. And Lord, I pray that you would do that today or you'd start that work today as only you can do. In Jesus' name. Don't ignore the voice of the Lord. If he's speaking to you today, if he's revealed something in your heart or in your soul or something during this sermon just kind of popped up in your mind, that's God. And you can reach out to those around you in your, in your small group, you know, those it, it, that, that you're in community with. Say, hey, this is, this is what God showed me, and I need somebody to pray with me or walk with me or keep me accountable or whatever it is. But God wants us to walk together. And we do that by being vulnerable and sharing what's actually going on in our life. I want to leave you with this, and then Andy's going to come up and give instruction because we're about to go outside and celebrate some baptisms, new life in Jesus. Woo! I want to leave, with, leave you with Philippians 4. It says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present yourselves to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be blessed.